I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the <laughs> shit show. Snack-a-sode. <laughs> Snack-sized episode number six of IntroVets podcast. Story time. Woohoo! A few weeks ago, well, in podcast land, it was last week. Mm-hmm. We started talking about getting together some specifically positive types of stories. And so we, you know, sent some things out on social media and put like feelers out in our, you know, respective veterinary circles and things like that. And originally, what I was trying to kind of get to was like, what's the best thing that happened this week? And that sort of evolved into, like, let me tell you this funny story. Let me tell you this, like, (laughs) super heartwarming story that might have happened five years ago, you know, or something like Mm -hmm. that. And so then we just decided to run with it and kind of pick pick a selection. And because we couldn't fit everything into one, we're not going to be able to fit everything into one. So then we'll come back and do additional episodes like this. But yeah, Parvo was such a bummer. So we're like, "Mm." it was a bummer. That end, you know, it's a stressful time in the world right now for everyone. And what I'm seeing reflected back on Vin, on Facebook groups that I'm in that are for veterinary professionals is, you know, we've all, veterinary professionals, been working the entire time that the pandemic has been going on. So most of us didn't get a substantial break. Most of us are working at clinics that have been understaffed the whole time. And we somehow are, like, insanely busy. Like, every single clinic is getting, like, tons of new clients. And you're just like, Mm -hmm. why does the phone never stop ringing? Even at places that aren't usually busy. And I don't know how to explain that. But It is pretty weird. I mean, you also Mm -hmm. have, like, most places, even if they're doing some in-clinic work other than curbside, they're still primarily using telephone as contact, you know, having clients let you know when you're there, they're there, having clients call before appointments and call back whenever you're done checking them out. So there's a lot of phone work. Yeah. And uh, way more than usual. (laughs) Yeah. It's very exhausting. That phone ringing is just like, okay, there's four people answering the phone and that's still not good enough. (laughs) At some of the practices, people will finally get through and be mad. They're like, the phone has been busy. And I'm like, well. <laughs> You're one of 80 trying to call. That's why. Right. That is how the phone works when all the lines are tied up. So, like, we're doing the best <laughs> job that we can. So, it's just very odd. I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, veterinary clinics are always seasonal to some degree, I feel like. Or, or mm-hmm. most are, like. Every clinic I've ever worked at has been really busy during the summer, and it would be like the 4th of July would be hell week. The busiest week of the year, maybe besides spring break, and just constant, nonstop terribleness. But if you got through the 4th of July, it was kind of like a smooth roller coaster down to school starting, you know, and then things would get a little bit less insane. This year, it just seems like each week is a whole new hell week. Yeah, the the craziness started all the way back in March, and it really has not slowed down anywhere that I know of. 
because everything is just so different and clients are, I'm going to say more on edge than normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Veterinary clients behaving badly is certainly not new at all. But uh, a lot of people are reporting like, man, the pandemic really (laughs) is bringing out the worst in people's attitudes and Mm -hmm. people are just already on edge. With everything like that, it's just a stressful time to be a veterinary professional overall. So we wanted to bring you some more lighthearted type of stories instead of like a heavy clinical case. Uh, So that's the plan. One of the things that I noticed when I started specifically looking for and asking people about happy or positive stories is that I started noticing happy and positive things that happened to me like more readily which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I kind of had something similar where I was like, okay, I must try to look for things. And I'm like, okay, there's more of them than I realized. You know, the old saying is that you notice the bad way more than you notice the good, even if the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. This was definitely a lesson in that. I agree. And I've heard like, I don't know, self-help gurus, I guess, whatever. (laughs) Or when I would... um, Sometimes I participate in something called the whole life challenge and like they have healthy habits and one of the healthy habits would be like, write down three positive things that happened to you today or whatever. And I would always be like, ah, stupid piece of crap. You know, like I would just, (laughs) yeah, I would be very resistant. But then for whatever reason, this time I was like, oh, uh, (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Like, actually, when I started thinking about it, I'd be like, oh, well, I could say this. I could say this too. Oh, I could, my positive thing could be this also. And then I was like, wait a minute, like several really good things happened. Why am I letting this only one negative thing happened all week? Why am I letting that overshadow all of the other positive things? And then talking to friends, like when I would go to a shift, I'd be like, all right, what's, what's good that's happened this week. And then because I was like, and it might be on, on a podcast. <laughs> so just, you know, let me know whether you want to be anonymous or what. And then, so then that got the clinic talking like about different things. And then they started reminiscing about like all these positive stories from the past. And I was like, okay, like this is the vibe we, we're going to surf on this vibe. Like <laughs> this sounds great. So JJ. Is it story time? It is story time. What good thing has happened to you this week? I'm a lurker on many veterinary whatever related groups and same mm-hmm. same and in one of them there was somebody that had said that they had had a really positive experience talking to a receptionist from another clinic and they wondered if it would be okay to call the office manager of that clinic and compliment that employee and the comments were just overwhelmingly positive people were saying if somebody called and complimented me i'd be ecstatic and make my day the yeah. practice managers were saying that would like be amazing if I got somebody saying that my staff was doing a good job. So that was just kind of in my head. And oddly enough, like a day or two later, I was calling to get some records for a patient we had coming in. And most of the time, my experience talking with other uh, clinics are pretty okay or positive. Um, every now and then you'll get the kind of, you know, you can tell you've got the haggard employee that's overworked and doesn't really have time for my shit (laughs) you know it kind of runs the gamut but uh this one particular person was just super nice the whole time way more above and beyond helpful than i would even expect a really good employee to be and i was like you know what 
this is one of those type of people that needs that kind of compliment, I feel like. So mm-hmm. I kind of did some snooping and looked up the clinic's employee list and figured out who the office manager was, what their name was, and then called and asked to speak to them. And luckily got somebody other than them because I didn't want to make her think that, I, you know, she was in trouble and right. passed well, that and along. You weren't like, uh, uh, yeah, I want to speak to your office manager. Exactly. Like, I want to like, talk to your manager. To, um, I want to speak to blank. She picked up and I was just like, I just wanted to let you know that I spoke with, you know, this particular person. They were extremely helpful. I just wanted to pass that compliment on. And she was like, oh, wow, that's so incredibly nice. And it gave me the feel goods for the rest of the day to where... Even in when I had a, a client that told me that she was fed up with the COVID rules and that she didn't appreciate that, you know, I asked her politely to go sit in her car while we got her prescription filled and not wait in the lobby. I didn't care because I was still riding <laughs> on that high of I did a good thing. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's super important and especially coming from another veterinary professional. Like, it's nice when you get a compliment from a client. Right. Mm-hmm. Th- that's nice. It's always nice. But if another veterinary professional goes out of their way to say, gosh, I think you're doing a really good job. Like mm-hmm. it's so much even higher up on the positive vibe scale. Yeah, it means a little more. Right. Like unsolicited feedback that's positive from a peer in your field who might even be considered someone that is like a competitor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um I hate to think of it that way, but unfortunately, you know, that's kind of the old school way of thinking of it. But that's super awesome. And uh, I I think it would be great if we could do that more often for each other. And I think it would also help with just not having an adversarial relationship between hospitals to just build that relationship that only positive things can come from building a positive relationship with Mm -hmm. the other clinics in town there's no need for an adversarial situation at all like it Mm -hmm. is not ever needed so yay jj (laughs) so i had a couple that i thought of the first one is just a quick one which is that i taught an employee at a clinic that i work uh, at somewhat regularly to draw blood for the first time she has an interest in veterinary medicine and no one had ever showed her how to draw blood. And so I was like, well, let's get get on in here and we're going to do it. And so now she's graduated just within the week to doing blood draws completely unassisted. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. Good job. So she's rocking it out. I, I felt pretty excited about that because yeah. I like to teach. And then the second thing is that I used information that we presented on the podcast, specifically the feline diabetes episode that we did to treat an actual live patient who wasn't doing well on their insulin. And I made some changes to the diet. I made some changes to the insulin based on that. And now the cat is going into remission. Good job, doctor. (laughs) Fireworks. Yeah. So I was like, heck yeah. Like, look at Look (laughs) at this real world application. Boom. It should be published. That's right. (laughs) Well, okay. And then, so a third thing, a third thing. I will be presenting a talk about feline diabetes at the Alabama Veterinary Technician Association fall meeting in October in Birmingham. Um, Registration is live and they just firmed up the schedule and things like that. So I think I'm allowed to say that that's official. I hope so. Anyway. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) That case will probably be featured in that presentation. Yeah. So be sure to check it out. We have several stories for you. 
So the first one here, I'm going to give a little bit of backstory on. I was scrolling through Venn one day, as I often do. I like to read all of the stories on the front page, and I think it was one of those, but I can't even be 100% certain. Someone else had posted a response that had a photo of a veterinary clinic door, and the door had a sign on it, and I was just like, oh my god, this is the best sign that I have ever seen in my entire life. So I'm going to read this. (laughs) I think that the thread might have been about what we were just discussing, like everyone's stressed out from COVID. We perceive that clients are being really demanding and unreasonable, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, Mm -hmm. so this is what the sign says. This building is filled with caring, smart, funny and intelligent people. We're working as quickly as possible to treat patients and save as many lives as possible. Be kind or you will be asked to leave. Boom. Mic drop. Boom. And I was like, sick girl. <laughs> like, can sticker. we put that? T-shirt. put that on every, yeah. <laughs> so I messaged the person that had posted the photo and was like, uh, can I talk about you on a podcast? And they were like, this is actually not my clinic. They were like, here's the clinic, you know, name. And so I reached out to the clinic and they were like, sure, girl, post photos of our door. We're, we're all about it. Mm-hmm. And they sent me kind of a write up. So. And I'm hoping that I pronounced the name correctly. So it's Tannisborn Veterinary Emergency in Beaverton, Oregon. And they said, we are an emergency hospital that is privately owned. We have had a very high number of cases coming through our doors and staying in our ICU. Wait times during peak hours have been three to five hours and people were getting a little spicy, to say the (laughs) least. The sign also serves as a very public reminder that we have our staffs back. Good job. So, um, what I love about this is the management at this clinic is doing a really simple thing to say, hey, staff, we care about you. Just like they said, we've got your back. Like, we're not going to stand here and let clients um, shit all over you. We're going to ask them to leave. And I was just like, yes, girl. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is what we need to be doing. Absolutely. And the sign at the end of the day, it might not change how owners like pet owners behave, but it's like putting psychological armor onto your staff mm-hmm. because that just tells you like you post you put it on the door, like you posted it on the door in huge letters. From that, the staff can say like, you know what? I can ask people to leave if they're being unreasonable. It says it on the door. Like that's how much the management has my back. If a client is acting wackadoodle, bye. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We do not have time for your BS today, crazy client. Like, please leave. (laughs) I also think it sets maybe client expectations. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, if I come in here and act like an idiot, they're going to ask me to leave. You know, (laughs) like, so (laughs) if clients start to act crazy, then you can just point to the sign and be like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, (laughs) so I was super excited about that. I wish we could all have that on our doors. Me too. Especially... You know, since we were kind of talking about is client behavior kind of below average right now, I think it is. Uh, I concur. (laughs) Yeah. So that just that visual reminder to clients, I think, is important. But I think that the big thing here is just the staff. Like that clinic is like, hey, we appreciate our staff and our ethic is that you don't come in here and disrespect us or you're going to be gone. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I also saw a, uh, it was a picture of a floor mat, or a doormat, actually, not a floor mat. But it said, did you call first? I really wanted Mm. to put that in front of our doors, because. Did you call first? 
Yeah. Is it a clinic doormat? No, it's just, I think it was like for a house, but it was just so perfect because that's a huge problem we're having. I don't know if people are just wanting some sort of interaction. If you gave me on a normal day the option of like, you can go in and interact with other people or we'll just literally (laughs) handle it and bring it to your car. I'm like, that is not a difficult choice. And it's the second thing. Like what? I know, right? Anyway. That cuts down on 75% of my anxiety right there. We need to design a line of um, of introvert doormats. Yes. Just a mat that says nope. On <laughs> yep. <laughs> People, no thank you. <laughs> Actually, there is one. Christine, who was on last week's episode, the office manager, she's introverted as well. You know, the cat is like a cartoon cat and it's like flipping you off with both hands Mm -hmm. okay yeah the shirt version is like you can see the cat's face above the pocket on the shirt and it looks like happy Mm -hmm. but if you open the pocket it shows the cat is secretly flipping people (laughs) off like underneath the pocket you know i like it so anyway i got her a mat uh a doormat that has that cartoon cat on it flipping the bird with both hands and it says go away (laughs) i got it for her for christmas one year Oh, that's hilarious. For her office. But anyway. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Uh, Mo- moving on to the next one. I need that cat in my life. Yeah. So our next submission was from a technician named Annabelle. And we first saw the post in the Murderinos Working in Veterinary Medicine group, which is my favorite group ever. Her uh, submission said she had to toot her own horn. This was her first intraosseous catheter in a critically unstable bearded dragon. And it went in like butter. Girl, yeah. Whoa, that's some good teching. Yes, it is. And I saw that post and there are photos. uh, And I was just like, damn, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Because that is awesome. Get it. Yeah. That's amazing. Things that terrify me. (laughs) Working on exotics of any type because I feel like they just die, like, you know, if you look at them funny. And then birds, especially, Lord. Right. Second thing intraosseous catheters. I'm irrationally nervous about. So <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. So the patient presented to the ER after inappetence and vomiting for 24 hours. And he also had a history of swollen limbs for about two months, which is kind of weird. They pulled some blood from his tail and the pack cell was 2%, which is Too scary. Bad. It's like, I don't know a ton about bearded dragons, but the amount that I do know is that 2% Paxil is not good. Yeah, that's, bad. that's not going to contribute much to life there. <laughs> no, no, that's bad. That's bad. So, anyway. Annabelle, good awesome. job. Thank you for rocking that catheter, girl. Mm-hmm. Also, we should maybe explain what the group is. So... <laughs> But uh, maybe anyway. even explain what an intraosseous catheter is, too. Oh, shit. We probably should. Okay. So, um, hang on. So, the Murderino is working in veterinary medicine group. Murderino is uh, the, the name of a fan of the podcast My Favorite Murder, which we're obsessed with. Um, and this is a group, obviously, for people who like both who who both like the podcast My Favorite Murder and also work in veterinary medicine. Ba-ba-boom. And then... An intraosseous catheter is literally a catheter that is placed into the bone uh, for, like, when you can't get a peripheral vessel. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it mostly done in puppies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that's tiny and it's hard to find a, a vein on. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that um, 
they talked about when I was in tech school, but they never actually had us do. Oh yeah. And so that was some one was one thing I never learned how to do. Like we talked about the technique of it, but I think because we mostly had worked with adult dogs at uh, the tech mm. school I was in, I never asked why we didn't get to do that one. If it hmm. makes me kind of yeah. sad because I've never gotten to do one. I'm up for trying one day, but <laughs> yeah. I've had to utilize them in the ER setting, and luckily I had a technician there that knew how to do it because I was like, you know, trying to follow the directions and I was nervous and and everything. And then finally she was like, I've placed one before. And I was like, well, girl, take it. Let's go. You know, like, <laughs> let's do it. And then she just popped it in and I'm like, yes. So our next story uh, is from Anonymous. They wanted to keep their identity confidential. but. Anonymous writes, my clinic officially stopped offering D-Clause, and this is an aside from me just to clarify that the submitter is talking about non-therapeutic removal of the last bone of each toe for the purpose of removing the claw. This is most often done to avoid nuisance scratching that people find, you know, uh, distasteful that might damage household items. So back to Anonymous now talking. This has made the staff relieved that we won't have to see a cat go through it at our hands again, and it has allowed our schedule to see more healthy and sick cases and perform medically necessary procedures. All of our staff, doctors, practice manager, reception, and techs are trained on declaw alternatives and are encouraged to speak about those options. Since stopping the declaw procedure, we are also allowed to offer a free physical exam with the doctor to go over alternative measures. Hmm. So I'm also going to, they wrote some more, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase it here in the, in the interest of ensuring that the person remains anonymous like they requested. The anonymous submitter acknowledges that this is a hot button issue and that some veterinary professionals have potentially valid concerns about discontinuing these sorts of procedures. Uh, one example would be a fear that the pet might have the procedure done anyway someplace else, potentially at the hands of someone who isn't as dedicated to good pain management or high-quality techniques. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, doing these procedures decreased staff morale to the point that it was just an untenable situation for this clinic. So um, I wanted to include this in our happy things because, and again, this is me talking again, no matter how much... Well, no matter how you personally feel about these types of convenience procedures, we all have to be aware of moral distress in our profession. Um, moral distress occurs when a medical professional feels that the ethically correct choice is different from what they're being ordered to do. And what I like about this, what to me makes this a super happy celebration, is that this clinic didn't walk away from the issue or adopt some sort of this is the way we've always done it approach just because it was a hot button issue. They heard all of the employees' concerns and the veterinarians' concerns. They had a rational discussion about it. They researched the issue and they made the choice that they felt like was right for their patients and staff, even though they might get negative feedback from some clients or colleagues about it. Mm -hmm. um, and it reminded me of this Brene Brown quote. Daring leaders are never silent about hard things. Mm. So I feel like this clinic asked the question that we all need to ask, you know, ourselves is, 
is continuing to offer this type of procedure in line with our core values. They determined the answer was no. And instead of ignoring that, they made a change, even if that change might be unpopular or invite some negative comments or even harassment. And the reason this person is wanting to be anonymous is unfortunately because they fear harassment, which is a negative part. Um, But I can say this clinic has a strong clinic culture. Mm -hmm. So no matter where you fall on the spectrum of it's right or wrong or maybe right in some cases, you know, I think we all have variable opinions on this type of hot button issue. I think no matter where on that scale you fall, mad props and respect to this clinic who listened to their employees, um, talked through it and made sure that the choices that they made reflect their culture. So I just want to give a huge shout out. I know you're anonymous, but whoever you guys are, you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. I would want to work for that clinic. I would, too. I would, too. And not just because of, you know, just the the declaw issue. That aside, no. I would know, hey, this clinic, this clinic supports their staff. This clinic listens and they're in tune and they're not sort of stuck in doing old things, old ways, just because they... Mm-hmm. You know, they listen. So I think that's awesome. Me too. Definitely something to be celebrated. Yeah. I kind of, it reminded me a little bit of a, a conversation I had with a client yesterday. Oh, yeah? Uh, it was a potential new client. She was calling in. She had a puppy and she said, this is the first dog we've ever had. And I've just noted that the dog has uh, not had its tail docked. And I was just curious as, you know, when that's done, I was like, well, typically if there's going to be tail docking, it's done within um, the first three days after birth. You know, your puppy is more five to six months old. So now that brings into a whole new kind of can of worms if you're wanting to go that route. And I said, just out of curiosity, you know, what purpose would you want to have the tail docked for? Uh, Are you... Is this like a show dog? And she goes, oh, no, it's just a pet. Um, I just thought that there was a medical reason that the tails were docked. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> there's not really. It's a uh, no a cosmetic thing. Um, it's a, quote, breed standard that Yorkies have short tails. And is it medically necessary? No. Um, and is it possibly an unnecessary risk? Yeah. I mean, there's risk with any anesthesia. Um, healing time takes a while. And you have a young dog that's going to be wagging that tail. And tails are notorious if they're injured for bleeding everywhere. So you, you just got to ask the question of, is it worth it to you to for your dog to have a shorter tail like other Yorkies that you've seen? And she goes, oh, absolutely not. And I was like, OK, I'm like, I'm not trying to like dissuade you if that's what you want. But she goes, oh, no, I'm glad you gave me that information because I honestly thought it was for a medical reason. I was like, oh, nope. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know of a medical reason, for, especially for a Yorkie. Like, so some, uh, and this is another hot button issue. Yeah. <laughs> so we are going to, cause we are daring leaders, not shy away from it. So here we go. I prefer not to dock tails and puppies. I let other clinicians handle that if the owner is very adamant that they want it done. I don't know of a medical reason why a Yorkie tail should be docked. Some people point to tail injuries, like JJ was saying, if, say, a large, it's usually a large breed dog, yeah. like they're really silly, like goofy butt dogs that are like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like all the time, whack the tip of the tail and it starts bleeding and then it becomes like a chronic issue, you know, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
And then certain breeds that were used for like hunting that were like prone to these types of injuries. I don't know of a study. I haven't like I am not a dog historian. Okay. (laughs) But what I have read other people say is that, you know, this was sort of adopted as a way to kind of prevent these tail injuries that contributed to like a morbidity with bleeding and grossness long term. Modern day Yorkies, I think, have a pretty low risk of chronic tail injury. They pretty much just like get carried around and live in a sweater. So, like, I just, (laughs) right. So, anyway, for this Yorkie who's going to be a companion, um, it probably like has matching outfits with their owner or something. Like, (laughs) I think that the the tail risk is low. So, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, dear. I kind of want to see what a Yorkie with a longer tail looks like. I think it would be cute. Girl, yeah. I wonder if it would have like that fan, kind of like a golden retriever fan, if it had like a Yorkie feather fan. I don't know. So I have a long-term person that I've worked with a lot who adopted or bought. I can't remember. Anyway, she got a golden retriever puppy. Mm -hmm. And I was doing its first exam, you know, and she just happened to mention like, yeah, there's like a wound on the tail. I think I said, or maybe even my boss at the time said, Kind of in a joking way, like, oh, it's going to have to be an amputation, you know, or something. <laughs> oh, no. And we all kind of laughed about it. And then we got to the tail exam and the tail was like cold oh, and did no. not have deep pain. <laughs> and oh, we were no. like, uh oh. So like, hey, um, <laughs> I know that we were morbidly talking and laughing about this, but like, actually, the dog's <laughs> tail really does have to be amputated. And so I did the tail amputation on that one, and um, it turned out so cute. (laughs) Because, you know, you don't want to get it too, too close, because then you can disrupt the nerve endings that control urination and defecation. Mm -hmm. Thumbs down. Like, no one wants that to happen. (laughs) So it's like a a moderately short nubbin and because it's a golden retriever it's got long fluffy fur (laughs) and so she when she wags it she wags it and then the fluff ball waves back and forth and it looks it's the most ridiculous so like tiny short tail does it look like the the dog's butt's got a high ponytail or a princess kind of yeah it kind of (laughs) kind of or like that it you know yeah that Pull it has it. a ponytail and then maybe was playing with a crimping iron or something. <laughs> <laughs> Her do- the dog is the, so has funny. the Ariana Grande butt. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just the one, like, whoop at the top, like a nice cowlick. Oh, boy. Anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, we've got one more. We've got one more. Okay, submitted by Jen. Who is Jen, by the way? Uh, I mean, they didn't want their last name. Just Jen. But it's not you. No, I mean. Right. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I was technically asking that off record, but even though we're recording, but. Oh, shit. Sorry. It's okay. 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 I'll tell you later. All right. You you should leave that in. (laughs) (laughs) It's not me. It's it's a one-end Jen. I'm a two-end Jen when I'm a Jen and not a JJ. You are? Yeah. I've been messing that up. Fine. I know. But I think I just call you JJ anyway. Yeah, most people do. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with who's talking to who. But I had to start going doing the two-end Jen thing back in tech school because my like closest friend in tech school was also a Jennifer, and she was a one-end Jen. So. Girl, everybody named Jennifer. I'm saying thank you, everybody. I think, to the book uh, and movie called Love Story that came out the year that I was born that had a main character named Jennifer 
in. I've never heard of that. What? It's so wait, what? A incredibly sad story. Basically, like it's a couple. Um, the guy's like super rich and uh, kind of like a jerk, and she makes him a better person, and then she ends up getting cancer and dies. But yeah, spoiler alert. But um, it was very well. popular in the seventies. <laughs> I think the book came out before that, but the movie I think came out the year I was born. So that explained why all throughout my life, everywhere I go, I, if I hear my name, I don't answer to it because there's at least five of us running around at any given time. So, Can I tell you something upsetting? Um, I think I, I just told you something upsetting. So, yeah. 1970 was 50 years ago. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I'm, I'm well aware. Um, I'm looking hard down the I'm nose sorry. of 45 right now. So I know, right? Like, uh, but anyway, my purpose for saying that is that, like, if it was popular in the 70s, we I feel like 50 years is like adequate to not provide a spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry, I've had a whole vodka and sprite, and it's just we're going off the rails now. Uh, oh boy, last night I had a uh, one of those. Cherry limeade zero things from Sonic. I just had a convers an upsetting conversation, and I said, "Ben, go get the go get the rum." And he's like, "What?" what is I the said, zero "No, really." Part it's what she she made that up. It's a diet cherry limeade. Okay, have you ever oh, had the cherry like, limeade from what Sonic? Does it have zero up. Oh, sorry. No, it's just a diet cherry limeade. <laughs> okay, but diet cherry limeade. Have you had a Sonic. cherry limeade from Sonic before? Uh, yeah, you know how amazing those are. Yeah, and they I do. have the diet version. So, um, I got that, and then been like dumped the equivalent of probably like two shots into it. I there still I didn't taste it, but I felt it because it's been a while since I had alcohol. Yeah, and that's probably why I fell asleep on the couch so quickly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. 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 We yeah we have one more. We have one more. Okay. So this is okay. submitted by a one-in-gen. One-in-gen. Yep. A few years ago, one of our patients saved an entire family from a house fire. The house got struck by lightning in the middle of the night and caught fire. Three people, two big dogs, one little dog, and a cat were asleep in the house. The Yorkie woke up yeah. the family, and they were all able to get out safely. The house, unfortunately, was a total loss. <gasps> See, Yorkies are like the theme. I bet it had a hotel, and that's why it did it. Holy shit, JJ, I was just about to say that, and I almost interrupted, but then I was like, no, it's not a comedy podcast, you asshole. Um, but I was going to be like, what if the tail was the part that detects fire? The tail is it. The tail is the, the hero gene in it. That's the superhero cape. Give it a tiny medal. That's what my note says. Give it my note about the century says someone give him a tiny medal. That's all. No elaboration. No other thoughts. Nothing deep. I don't have any quotes or studies. It no, just says give him a tiny medal. Someone give him a tiny medal. Did you have did you have some vodka when you were typing that? Nope. <laughs> I was just at the end of the outline and like. Mm. I mean, the tail no. should be the tiny medal, maybe. Or maybe it needs a cape <laughs> and a tiny metal. A cape. Tiny metal. <laughs> Just put it right. I love right it. Right on there. Superstar. Uh -huh. mm. You did big. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you're little. Uh, oh, no. Also, What's the... Um... I love that there's two big dogs and a cat, and it was the Yorkie that woke everybody up. 
I know, right? Like, good job, all other pets. I know. <laughs> Color sleeping he, on job. He needs like a flavor Flav size <laughs> metal. You know, yeah. So not a tiny metal, but an oversized correct metal that tells time. Then a separate person that just carries that for him. Uh huh. Well, they would like have a, to. Uh, what's the thing in Downton Abbey? A footman. So, like, the Yorkie gets the flavor Flav necklace, and then a footman. Personal footman carries the Yorkie and the necklace separately I think for display. Of, like in marching band, the bass drummers that have to carry those big drums, they actually, whenever they have to stop in parade or something, they'll have usually volunteer kids or something come in and like will hold the front part of the drum up for them to kind of let their back relax a little bit while they're playing. Really? Yeah. What? Those drums are heavy as how do you not hit the other people with the sticks? Well, the what? they hit the drum. The the drum is like kind of sideways and strapped to them. So okay. when they hit, they have the sticks in each hand, and they the 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 actual drum parts on the side. Okay, so they're hitting the side yes. of the drum. Yeah, and the person is on the front and pulling up the front end of it. No, so now did they use a lyre too? No, they have to memorize they shit. We, this is a gonna. This is an excerpt from our separate other podcast called band information for people who have never been in a band and probably don't care but <laughs> right i don't it's know a pretty catchy title overall yes liars are for high school you shouldn't have them unless you're using for stand to students in college that's my uh soapbox memorize your music don't be lazy Ooh. don't be out on Ooh. that field with flip folders because you look tacky controversial right. stances about music rant over like i ain't been in band <laughs> since 1998 and here i am preaching <laughs> Uh, I'm 1998. Yeah, no. Do you want me to calculate how many years ago 1998 was? We had this discussion the other day. I think it's like, uh, I know I was... <laughs> I bad news. I was 23 when it was 1998. <laughs> I figured that out, but... In 1998, I was, um, you know... In high school? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I was 15 years old in 1998, JJ. That was right before I went into tech school. We gotta... We need to wrap it up. Okay. Yep. If you have submissions for the podcast those could be stories they could be happy moments they could be uh cases clinical cases if you have any of those things we'd love to read them where are they going to send them jj they're going to send them to introverts podcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time bye-bye bye